Hello everyone, it's a new week, which means I have a new podcast for you. This week on the show, I have a talented pastry chef and Food Network slash cooking channel personality. You may recognize him from the show's Unique Sweets or Halloween Baking Championship, and we definitely dove into both. He also gave me some wonderful and funny behind-the-scenes stories and the best pastry tips for your next round of sweets. So please join me in welcoming Chef Zach Young. Thank you so much for coming on. Welcome. I'm really excited to have you. Thank you. Of course. So I was looking back at when I last spoke to you and it was during spooky season for Halloween baking championship. Yes. October uh, is the beginning of my busy season. Because oh, <laughs> sure. I feel like we go from Halloween, which is, of course, my favorite holiday to, you know, my second favorite holiday, which is Thanksgiving. And then we're in the winter holidays. So basically from September until New Year's, my life is insane. Oh, I'm sure. Especially as a pastry chef, you're probably like just doing things 24-7 and coming up with new recipes, right? Well, exactly. It's it's prime time for baking. Right. But it's funny because it, it really happens year round. And sometimes some of these things, you know, start in... March. <laughs> and my friends are like, why are you testing pumpkin recipes? It's March. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's due for April because the magazine takes six months to turn it around. Um, right. So it's always it's always funny to be kind of in season, out of season. And I feel like I'm working on Halloween, Thanksgiving and, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, etc. Uh, year round. That's funny. Yeah, I was just saying the other day, I started getting pumpkin spice pitches for articles. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm already there. I, I need to get through like July. I was about to say they're late. I know. <laughs> I'm getting I'm working them earlier out. and earlier though. Like I'm starting at Christmas ones and I'm like, I, I keep having to say to them, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow, so I can't really schedule out till Christmas yet, but I'm going to keep it in mind. <laughs> well, that's like when, you know, when, when they're writing these articles and they're asking like, uh, so, you know, what are the trends this, this holiday season? <laughs> and I'm like, it's February. <laughs> we, we still have 10 months. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> No, I know. When you walk into TJ Maxx and all of those department stores, they're going to have all the stuff coming out. Just wait. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> TJ Maxx, I mean, has Halloween decorations year round, which is why we love it. Oh, true. Yeah. I'm never complaining. Yeah. TJ Maxx was always like the prop stylist dream because you can still find like Christmas napkins, you oh. know, in the middle of summer. That's true. Yeah, it, that was always the little, the always a little like secret if I had to style something or like shoot something at home. And I was like, I need something festive and Christmassy. And and this was, I mean, before Amazon, really, because now you okay. can, I don't know, you can yeah. buy everything year round. But uh, yeah, TJ Maxx was always the like, <laughs> oh, a bucket of Christmas popcorn from <laughs> the year 2004. It's still good. You have to look at the dates on those things because <laughs> you <laughs> <Always>. never know. <laughs> but I'm the one who buys them because I go hungry and then they get me in the checkout line and I'm like, ooh, mm -hmm. gummy candies that I've never seen before. Yeah. And then it's like, it expires 1998. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you survived it, so I guess they were fine. <laughs> I did. I did. It, it takes a lot to kill me. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So I want to get into your food background a bit. I'm actually really interested in it because you've done so much and you've worked under so many amazing people and with television. Yes, but also like restaurants and bakery and how you kind of got started. So I read that you originally wanted to be a fashion designer. Is that true? 
<laughs> kind of. So, I mean, I started in theater, dance, musical okay. theater, etc. And, you know, that's what I originally came to New York for. And as I was performing and auditioning, I always found myself uh, in the costume shops and even like in college at like theater camp too. So I always had this interest in, in design too. And I realized kind of after I'd been doing it for a while, I was like, you know what? Like, I really actually kind of love this other side of it. Um, so I pivoted. I ended up working at Radio City in the wig and wardrobe departments. And mm -hmm. that was kind of like, I mean, that was amazing, by the way, as someone who has always been thrilled by theatrical costuming, especially, I mean, that's like the pinnacle. I mean, the amount of rhinestones <laughs> going on there, but like to see those costumes up close and to like, you know, like work with those headpieces. And I mean, it, it's, it, it was wild. And also like, in high school too, I think I designed and built like three of my friends' prom dresses. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, it was definitely a thing. And it was actually when I was at Radio City that I started baking Christmas cookies, speaking of the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And it was just something that I wanted to teach myself because growing up, we didn't really do that. It wasn't like a, a family activity that we did. Mm -hmm. So I kind of said, how hard can this be? And, you know, did what anyone did, which is buy a KitchenAid. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a kind of large investment looking back on it. But um, I bought a KitchenAid and started like working my way through this like cookie Bible, basically. And mm -hmm. that's kind of how I got the baking bug. And I kind of became fascinated with kind of the creativity within the confines of science right? Like there's only so much you can play with or push a recipe before it doesn't work. And I always kind of loved that, that equation, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the kind of puzzle of it all, like how can I execute my vision based on the structure of this cookie? I should have had you make my prom dress. Mine broke during prom, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was one wardrobe malfunction, but luckily... I was there. I was at prom. So, you know, and I had like my like sewing kit with me. It was pretty Oh my wild. God. So you were like the handyman for prom dresses? I was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. What was the first recipe that you kind of got into? You got into cookies. Was it like chocolate chip cookies or? It was more... cookies. And the, the one that like, I really like, kind of hit my stride with was it was this peanut butter cookie that mm -hmm. I was like, why don't I do peanut butter cookie base, peanut butter cups and chocolate covered pretzels. And mm. that was like the hit and this like sweet, salty. I mean, clearly I've carried that with me <laughs> my <laughs> career, but um, that was, that was the one that like, everyone loved, you know, that I'd bring into work and everyone was like, this is incredible. So yeah, that was the, that was the cookie. That sounds good. Yeah. What was your favorite sweet growing up? Did your household tend to favor towards pastries and sweets? Were you like a cooking household or not really? So my mother is vegan <laughs> and okay. gluten-free and kind of all of these, all of these kind of dietary things before it became commonplace or before we really spoke about it, which mm -hmm. as a kid was not an ideal upbringing because <laughs> I felt deprived of everything. I wasn't really, but, but now as an adult, I have such a more healthy relationship with food mm -hmm. than I think people who have kind of had to learn in their adulthood, um, so, but growing up, I used to go to the corner store on the way home from school. And do you remember slush puppies? That sounds really familiar. So they weren't slushies. It was a different machine. It was almost like these little pellet ice, like tiny, tiny crushed pellet ice in the sugar syrup. And then of course it was all of the pump flavors. That was a oh. huge thing for me. And like, it was right when blue raspberry came out. So mm -hmm. I used to like 
try to hide the fact that I had gone to the corner store, but I'd come home with like a bright blue mouth and my mother would be like that. That's not blueberries. (laughs) (laughs) But So it was all like the, the kind of convenience store stuff like Charleston shoes, frozen Charleston shoes, love Mm -hmm. Twix are still like my go-to from the candy aisle. I mean, they just kind of hit all of the marks. Mm -hmm. And then those slush puppies. (laughs) But yeah, I used to, you know, like my, my mother is such a like open, caring, loving person. Uh, So like, I never had to hide anything that I did, you know, like it was such an open and accepting household too, except Mm -hmm. when I'd come home with like the blue mouth (laughs) and she's like, do you know how (laughs) terrible that is for you? See, that was fruit roll-ups for me when they had the tattoos on them or whatever it was called. And then you would put them on your mouth. Yes. That's what I Yeah. The telltale, the telltale sign. And it's funny, actually, speaking of Halloween Baking Championship, we, because uh, there's so much like decoration that happens and like the vibrant colors Mm -hmm. or or saturated colors for Halloween, a lot of times Carla and Stephanie and John and I like in between judging sessions end up looking at each other and like opening our mouths and being like, is my mouth black? I feel like my mouth is black right now. Like, is it purple? <laughs> like, They're like going to be like, cut. Exactly. You have to clean everyone's mouth. <laughs> like, why do you look like a giraffe? Like, why do you, ha- why is your tongue a completely different color? I know because you're trying so many different things. That's that's funny. I'm now that we're talking about that, I'll get into um, that a little bit more. That hasn't started filming yet, right? It's too early for that. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It normally we, it normally films early. somewhere somewhere in the summer. So we've done it. Um, we've done it in August. We've done it in May. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. It's just kind of a, it's the progression, right? Because they, they film, you know, there's a baking championship for every season, plus the specials, plus cookies, plus everything. So they kind of basically shoot it all in order. But because of that, you know, it takes a while to film each season. So. Right. Well, they have to edit it in everything too for the fall. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're now doing, you know, seven or eight episodes of Halloween. Like when I started, it was, I think six, I think originally it was like four. So, I mean, Halloween now starts to air the first week in September, which is wild. That That is wild. I don't know about this year, but. Right. Well, well, it always kind of changes, but I know the premiere date is normally around September. I was, I was kind of looking at the dates. I was going to ask, actually, what are you most looking forward to with judges, Carla Hall, Stephanie, and then the host, John Henson? What are you guys, I know you guys have a really good vibe. What are you looking forward to? (laughs) Uh, They're the best, you know, they're, we're just, we're family, you know, and spending time together, spending all that time together too. I mean, when, when you're shooting those shows they're they're pretty long days for the judges and for us luckily we have our hair and makeup time for the costumes um which occupies time a lot of times in in the non-halloween shows when the contestants are Mm -hmm. baking you're kind of just sitting in your dressing room or your trailer playing nintendo or doing whatever you do (laughs) for us you know we're basically in hair and makeup when they're cooking and we all three of us, three judges, we all do it together. We all sit in the same room and have our hair and makeup done because we like to hang out. You know, we could just hide in our dressing rooms, but, and then we go out to dinner afterwards. I mean, it's like, it it is just, it's such a crazy family and I adore them. And, you know, John, I love, and I've loved him since talk soup and like my father and I used to watch Jeopardy and Talk Soup growing up. <laughs> Jeopardy. That's a big we did not watch. Household. Yeah, we did not watch sports. We watched Jeopardy and we watched Talk Soup. And actually, <laughs> so my first season of Halloween, which was season three, which was also John's first season, we okay. 
the night before they didn't tell us who was hosting we just got like a the call sheet and it just said like host john pickup and we were shooting in new orleans and i was texting with carla because she hasn't landed hadn't landed yet and i was at the gym in the hotel and I was, we were talking like, who's John, John who? Like, who's John? Like, and we were kind of like running out the options. And I leave the gym, I'm sweaty and gross. And I get into the elevator and there's John Henson. And <laughs> for, he's 6'3", by the way, too. And I am not. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm 5'6". He's 6'3". He's like 6'3". <laughs> maybe 6'2". But like, he is tall. Uh-huh. So I walk into the elevator and... There's John Henson, and I look up, right, because he is a, a telephone <laughs> pole, and I go, oh, my God, you're John. And he, he looks at me like I'm nuts, because I am. And he's like, yes, yes, I am, in his John voice. And I'm, I'm at a total loss for words because I'm such a fanboy. Slash, like, I might have had a little crush on him growing up, maybe. <laughs> Um, and I'm like, honestly, he's everywhere though. I, I, yeah, would, I think I have a crush too, to be honest. Yeah. Well, he's funny. He's handsome. He's such a good yeah. person to like, you know, we become friends, but I was like, uh, me, me Zach, me judge literally cannot make sentences. And I'm like, I press the wrong floor and I'm like, see you tomorrow. And I run out. And then I text the producers and I'm like, you didn't tell me it was John Henson. Please tell him I'm harmless. They're like, oh, he quit the next morning because he saw Zach in the elevator. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, John quit. But it's it's kind of wild in the now the eight years or seven years mm-hmm. that we're yeah, like we are super close friends now. And I just he's such a good guy and he's so funny. Did he do Cupcake Wars or am I mixing him up? No, he didn't. Else. That Halloween is the only thing he's done on Food Network. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think I was mixing him up. I remember you told me that you kind of switched roles from being Simon Cowell of the group <laughs> to the Paula Abdul when Stephanie joined. <laughs> What's your judging uh, criteria look like? What goes through your head? I think because I've been on both sides of the table, you know, I've competed mm-hmm. and I've judged so much that I know the the pitfalls and the struggles and the reality of cooking in that situation. It's a new kitchen, it's different equipment. You know, as pastry chefs, we're used to our home base, we're used to our own toys. And, right. you know, there, there's just things that, it's new choreography, you know, like the oven temperatures, mm-hmm. y- you just basically do something right out of the gate only do it once, not have a practice round, not get to know, you know, the ovens. Mm -hmm. There's a real learning curve with that. So while yes, we are judging what's in front of us, I do take into considerations the reality of the challenge of cooking competitively. So I Mm -hmm. feel like, you know, like Paula, who was a performer, is still Mm -hmm. was, you know, like, like did that like she (laughs) she knows what it's like to be up there on that stage and I feel like you know it's kind of the same same thing with me I mean and also I think I'm the fun one (laughs) (laughs) I always say that about yeah (laughs) yeah but it also means that I I do also kind of have my Tyra Banks moments of like we were rooting for you Mm -hmm. like you're better than this because I also know Mm -hmm. I know what it's like too so i feel like it's a double-edged sword of like yeah i'm i'm understanding but also like my my expectations for them are are really high um so there is this kind Mm -hmm. of like mom element to me there too well you want to critique them so you can challenge them they can get better but you also want to give them advice and aid them along the way but do you find yourself giving them advice often all the time i mean i think that that's the you know, that's the experience for them, right? Like they're not just coming on, hopefully they're not just coming on to get beat up, (laughs) you know? Um, I think we, you know, we really want them beyond just this competition, you know, to to really take Mm -hmm. things away. And that my experience in competing 
the things that I took away, the things that I kind of challenged myself to do, or the things that naturally came out of competition, completely changed mm -hmm. the way I thought about food and some of some things, some of the ways that I cook. So, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, not just, it's not just judging the dish before us, but it's also kind of critically thinking about their food, their process, and also praising them. I mean, I've learned so much judging too, that, you know, mm -hmm. like the takeaways that I've got, like every, every baker who's come on has taught me something. And there's been moments where I'm like, that is brilliant. So mm -hmm. to also encourage them. Right. I was just going to say, they all come from such different backgrounds. And what I'm learning through this podcast too, is how different everyone is when it comes to food. But I kind of wanted to get into your first appearance on a cooking show. Was it Top Chef? Top Chef, just, just desserts. desserts. Your first one? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. I was reading because at the time you were working under Alice Bernicelli at Butter Restaurant. I had... Like early two No, I had just left Butter and I was opening oh, okay. the Flex Muscles restaurants in the city. Okay. Were those donut shop, donut pop-ups? So Flex Muscles was the, the seafood restaurants. And then okay. the, the donuts on that menu became so popular that we decided to do separate kind of donut pop-ups based uh, off of that. Okay, cool. So when I was looking at like through your background and stuff, I saw that Top Chef actually reached out to you originally, but Alex was like, no, you don't really cook. So then you waited for just desserts. That's true, yes. right? Yeah, I think it was like <laughs> season two of Top Chef casting reached out and I was like, oh, that, I don't know, you know, maybe. And Alex was like, um, you don't really cook real food on that level. <laughs> you know, just wait, you know, they'll, eventually they'll get to desserts. And she was right. Do you feel like that was kind of a catalyst for your career as a pastry chef because you were booming and then you got the television appearance. I think, yeah, I mean, it, it clearly was a catalyst for so much of my career. I think kind mm -hmm. of establishing myself in like at Bouchon, going to butter and then starting to work for the restaurant groups, you know, that like my professional trajectory there was, you know, kind of establishing itself. And I think I'd been cooking for like five years at that point. And then, yeah, I mean, Top Chef really, I think, put me on the map in terms of food too. And subsequently they were launching Cooking Channel at the time and developing Unique Sweets, um, which was the, the travel show. And mm -hmm. we ended up doing seven seasons of that, but it was really because of Top Chef that they reached out. Oddly, media was something that I never really wanted to do. It was, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of the the shows reached out before Top Chef, and I said no a lot because I didn't I didn't want to feel like kind of my old life in in the theater and in in performing. Uh and even now, I mean, I joke that it's my night job and I really, you know, I do it because it's fun. And I think it's, you know, it's good exposure for, you know, the, the brand and products and, and all of that. Sure. I mainly do it because it's fun. And I always said to myself, you know, when it's not fun anymore, I won't do it um, right. because I don't want to feel like I'm hustling or pounding the pavement or, you know, kind of back in that world. But yeah, Top Chef really kind of, Top Chef really kicked it off. Yeah, that, that would make sense. Do you feel like going on these shows, you have to kind of perform a little bit? Or it seems like you can kind of be yourself with the people that are co-hosting with you or co-judging yeah, with it, you. I mean, it's, it's weird, actually, because coming from a performance background, going into mm -hmm. playing yourself, <laughs> which... <laughs> is actually probably harder than any role. <laughs> so it was a learning curve. I mean, Top Chef was one thing because you're competing, right? Like you're doing stuff and they're filming mm -hmm. you, right? So that kind of takes care of mm -hmm. itself. 
But when you went into like unique suites, which was just all interview, right? It was like eat food, then talk about it. That right. was kind of hard because it's like act natural. Oh, just be yourself. And you're like, okay, be myself, but with two cameras pointed at me in a room full of lights, a producer sitting there and my nerves, yeah. like, and of course, in the beginning of Unique Suites or the first few like interviews that I filmed, the producers kept saying like, just, you can just talk. Like just, cause I was like, <laughs> this cupcake's amazing. It's the greatest. And they're like, um, you can talk like a normal person. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you don't have to smile from ear to ear every single yeah, time you say You don't something. have to use jazz hands <laughs> unless you want to. No, I would do this. You want to come off with that? Right, right. And you want to you want to be you want to appear smart you want to appear funny knowledgeable and i think not overthinking it is really the key like only in the past few years have i kind of been like you know what who cares like i, I know my stuff i'm gonna show up i'm gonna speak words and i'm gonna go home and mm -hmm. i think the the kind of pardon my French, the fuck it of it all, it, as opposed to thinking of like, oh, wait, what am I going to say? Or, oh, no, they're never going to use that. It's like, you know what, that's what, mm -hmm. that's what editing's for, you know? So like, I'm just, and oddly, I've been surprised because there are things that I've maybe wanted to say in the past that have, that I haven't said, or like thoughts that came into my head that I was like, no, no, they won't use that. And recently I've just got, and the things that have made the final cut, like have shocked me. I'm like, I, that was an inside joke for the control room, by the way, like that was not, not meant to be aired, but I said it. <laughs> now I need to watch it like that and know yeah. that it's an inside joke or meant to make it a final cut you you can normally tell because I'll, i post it on my instagram story if it's something like oh, okay. with, without comment but like i'll just post the footage of it but yeah it was a, it, playing yourself was was hard in the beginning i'd say yeah that makes sense i mean but you've like kind of like you said, you've come to a point where you know what you're doing and they hired you for a reason and you have good rapport with everyone else that's working on the show. So I don't think they want you to hold back, at least if they're putting stuff in that you didn't think would make well, it. Yeah, it's like, you know what, you're there. You're there for a reason. I think like, you know, like any job mm -hmm. too. It's like, you know what, they hired me because they wanted me and mm -hmm. go with that, you know? Exactly. Simply put, exactly. The confidence. Confidence yes. is key. Or faking it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes faking it leads to oh, real confidence. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other day I went to, it was drag bingo. So it was my first time at a drag bar and I was, I was so excited. And I was looking at all these people and I was like oh my gosh everyone here is so confident you're dressed so good whatever whatever and I was like I'm gonna be confident I'm gonna win bingo and then I'm gonna go up there and I'm gonna just kill it and I won bingo and then I made friends with everyone and they were just like confidence is key so now I'm using that every time I walk outside my posture is better I'm gonna there take you it go with me right fake it till you make it that's all you need So you mentioned Unique Suites, you were on it for seven mm -hmm. seasons. So with your experience competing and judging on baking shows, is there one that you haven't been on that maybe you would like to be? Oh, I mean, Great British Baking Show, <laughs> but I don't think that's possible. <laughs> Guys, Grocery Games? Everyone gives me that answer. It just, I mean, one, I love Supermarket Sweep. Two, I... I actually love, I do love competing and I love cooking and, and, you know, like the beat Bobby 
uh, holiday special we did last year, like so much fun. Um, so like those opportunities, you know, it's like fast, it's fun. And it's like supermarket sweep. <laughs> so yeah, I would, I would do that in a heartbeat. That's that. No, that's a good answer. That always seems like a fun one. And Guy Fieri, you can't, you yeah. can't lose with him. Because Unique Sweets was obviously a show based on unusual desserts, is there one pastry or several, whatever you remember, that you were pleasantly surprised by or maybe make yourself? So we did Sidecar Donuts, which is in Costa Mesa. And like they have a few locations in Southern California now. And we did them for Unique Sweets. And their donuts are fantastic. They had a green eggs and ham donut, which the producers wouldn't let us do for the show because they're like, this is called Unique Sweets. That is a savory item. But it was a a yeast-raised donut with a soft boiled egg in the middle of it. I still don't know how they did this. Uh, And Canadian bacon or, or... uh, shaved ham and a basil hollandaise filling. It was so huh. good. I mean, it was it was a savory, clearly a, a savory item. Mm-hmm. But it, in seven seasons and hundreds of locations, that was something mm-hmm. that stuck out to me. Maybe because they told us that we couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Whenever they say no, you want to do it more or exactly, exactly. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, that sounds green eggs and ham. That's so interesting. I was actually going to ask you if you were on board with because donuts nowadays are really grandiose and they have a ton of toppings and different fillings. Do you kind of find yourself gearing towards that, or are you more in tune with the classic donut flavors? Oh God, that's that's a tricky question. The answer is yes <laughs> to both. I love the classics, you know, I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. I'm from New England. So a Dunkin' Donut chocolate cake mm-hmm. donut or the chocolate cake munchkins, magical, oh, like so magical, good. simple, mm-hmm. brilliant. But mm-hmm. I also love donuts as a blank canvas whether they be filled or topped or stuffed. I appreciate mm-hmm. the classics and I love the innovation. I mean, my whole thing is as long as, okay. as long as it's good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. I used to be obsessed with Dunkin' Donuts. I actually kind of still am, but in high school, I was always eating the strawberry frosting. That was my, noodles. when my father would take us in the morning if he was taking us to school no no, not your mom no dad was taking us to school occasionally there'd be a a stop at donkeys and that was my go-to love it okay i would do that and then they don't sell this anymore but the arnold palmer slushy Um, kind of thing yeah what did they do you remember uh, not dunk uh what did they call them cool cafe culotta cafe culotta culotta Culotta. Yeah, yeah, it was that. It was a colada. It was colada. That's what it is. Yeah. And then I would have that sugar overload. I was like off the wall and then I would have to take a nap. <laughs> but mm-hmm. really good overall. They should bring that back. It was probably really bad for you. That's probably why they <laughs> took it off. But. <laughs> With fine dining evolving or I feel like it's actually becoming less relevant. We were talking about pop-up, your pop-up donuts, whatever. Um, I'm curious what your opinions are on pop-up restaurants today. I mean, I, I think pop-ups are, are brilliant. You know, I think there's, they're a way to test a concept before investing in a space. I mean, it is, it is a massive undertaking to open something permanent from, you know, from signing a 10-year lease to construction, you know, like the actual logistics of it beyond just the the kind of creative property of it, right? It's an enormous Mm -hmm. undertaking. 
So I think for, Mm -hmm. you know, for the creator, for the chef or the owner to bring the concept to life, see it in action, Mm -hmm. see the, the guests reactions. I think it's Mm -hmm. invaluable. Um, I also think for the consumer, it's a way to kind of experience something completely different, something that you might not get otherwise. One of my favorite restaurants uh, on Cape Cod, Sal's, did a pop-up in LA this winter, which was like, never, like, Sal's is this tiny place on the beach in P-Town. And uh, it's always, it's cash Mm -hmm. only, it is always packed, and it, it has been that way since... I mean, I've been going there since I was 16, so mm-hmm. you can do the math. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, they did a, an L.A. pop-up and all of my friends went because everyone knew this place. So, like, they got to experience, you know, something that was so specific to one geographic location. So I think that's also kind of the magic of pop-ups, too, is to be able to do kind of a traveling a traveling show, if you will. But I'm a, no, I'm a huge right. fan of pop-ups. I mean... I did the two donut pop-ups. Uh, we did the two Sprinkletown pop-ups two, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped launch, you know, I did those mm-hmm. not necessarily to open shops. I did them really to kind of test out the new retail products um, and to have an outlet for that. So, you know, sometimes okay. it's not even about, you know, testing the waters for, for a permanent location. Um, sometimes it's just, you know what? Mm-hmm. It, it's whim. Like, hey, let's let's do this. We can do it for mm-hmm. a couple months. You know, there's it's lower risk. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I feel like it's a really good way to build your brand too. But I was going to say, do you feel like it helps in the marketing aspect of everything that you're kind of doing, just to promote yourself, but also projects that you have? Or, or I think it depends else? on, I guess, what your end result is, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, if the pop-up is promoting some other product that you're selling, like if it's a direct-to-consumer product or a retail product, you know, that makes sense. If it's promoting or working towards a permanent location of something, I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's, I right. think it just depends on what you, what your desired outcome is but i do i mean i i think Mm -hmm. as long as you have something to market (laughs) i think it's a great marketing tool (laughs) (laughs) that's true i know netflix bites i've been hearing about that over here it's one of the big pop-ups i know jacques torres was i think they were just here for opening night but andrew zimmer and and then i said think some iron chefs yeah i i saw that i i remember seeing that yeah, it's still, it's kind of been still here for a while, but I missed the Cape Cod one by a few months. Womp womp. Ah, I love Cape Cod. That's my favorite <laughs> Well, maybe place. they'll do it this winter. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe. I'll have to look out for it. What's your go-to pastry right now? What are you cooking up? It's summer. I mean, you're filming <laughs> for Halloween, so I don't know what you're cooking. Well, <laughs> summer, late summer, especially in the Northeast is when we actually kind of have all of the produce. So that's, and speaking of the Cape Mm -hmm. too, I spend a lot of the summer on the Cape or as much time as I can. So my go-to for that is always Mm -hmm. a slab pie or like an open face galette type situation with just whatever fruit looks good, easily treated, it bakes really quickly too, because the last thing you want to do on a beautiful summer day is be stuck in the kitchen with a hot oven. You know, those are yes. my kind of this time of year or late summer go-tos. And then year round is always cookies just because they're fast, kind of immediate gratification, mm-hmm. fast to make, fast to bake, mm-hmm. crowd pleasers. Do you normally go for your own kind of recipe or a lot of people go off Nestle Toll House all the time. How would you upgrade like Nestle Toll House or kind of? I one think of those playing with the recipes? sugars, right? So like dark brown sugar, muscovado sugar, you know, like kind of the, the deeper, richer sugars. I think playing with your butter, so mm-hmm. brown butter, browning your butter, 
letting it cool, then using it. Okay. And then I think, you know, there's a lot of kind of flavoring out there, but good vanilla and of course, sweet and salty. So little, little bit of crunchy salt on top. That, no, that's a good point. I actually recently used molasses in cookies and I've been using brown sugar as well. And I switched yeah. it up and it's such a game changer. Yeah. I mean, it affects both the taste and texture. You know, you'll get a chewier, chewier cookie with more brown sugar or darker brown sugar, more molasses, but you'll also get kind of more of that mm-hmm. earthy molasses flavor too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm still kind of testing the waters with my cookies recipe because I haven't found one that I'm totally obsessed with yet. So I need to, this is how, this is how I got started. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I don't know if I'll make my way as a pastry chef, but I'm going to (laughs) try. I'll just keep interviewing them (laughs) and learning. Yes. So you trained in France as well. Was that before you were working at Butter Restaurant? It was, was that after? What's the timeline? Uh, while I was at Butter, I took a couple weeks off, went to France, and then came back and then okay. did it again like a year or so later. So I had already kind of started at Butter, and then I was like, oh, time for some continuing education. So I went, I went uh-huh. twice actually. Okay. And what was your biggest takeaway from that? Maybe just a tip for aspiring pastry chefs or anything that you learned? So the first time I was working with um, Valrona, the chocolate manufacturer, the chocolate company, Mm -hmm. they are incredibly technical, which I love. So, you know, we're talking kind of chemical stuff, molecular level stuff, Mm -hmm fats, sugars, you know, chocolate is, can be such a technical ingredient. Um, And I love that. And, and that kind of deep dive into, into it has kind of stuck with me to this day, because once you know the how and why of baking, you can start to play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you have that kind of solid foundation or technique or know why these ingredients do these things, Mm -hmm. you can start playing with it it gave me so much freedom just to understand this one ingredient more. Yeah, that makes sense. I was actually, I mentioned Jacques Torres before because I interviewed him. I'm sure you definitely know this already, but he taught me that the, basically the chocolate chips don't melt because they have so many other things contributed to it. So when I switched to either went to Trader Joe's or Giardelli or whatever had more cacao percentage, it was so much better and it actually melted and the cookie tasted like actual, what it's supposed to taste like pretty much <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> versus like, I don't know, all the fats or whatever they put in that doesn't make it melt in the oven. But then he was like, well, think about what you're putting in your body and then it probably won't melt like in your body. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, it was mind blowing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I never really thought about that with, with chocolate chips in terms of your body. But yes, cho- chocolate chips are actually designed not to melt. Yeah, They're designed to kind of stay intentionally suspended. Okay, And that's, you know, it's also the palm kernel oil, the lecithin, etc. Right. Whereas couverture or regular chocolate, chocolate mm-hmm. behaves completely differently. Okay. I remember too, you said the worst thing you hated coating chocolate. On Halloween baking championship. <laughs> that was your thing. <laughs> it is it is one of my things, yes. I I think that's also because I have such a chocolate background too. Mm-hmm. And there are so many kind of shortcuts you can take with real chocolate mm-hmm. that don't take any longer than melting coating chocolate. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people reach for coating chocolate because it they think it's faster. Right. But it for me, the waxiness, the flavor of it, when you could use actual chocolate for the same results. Right. But again, like that's kind of one thing that I coach them on too, as opposed to just saying, I hate coating chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also offer like, you know, you can microwave temper really quickly, mm-hmm. you know, regular chocolate, use it this way, 
blah, 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 blah. Okay. So yeah, I feel like coating chocolate's a cop-out. You're better than that. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. You had your, your Bob Ross co- costume telling them not to coat chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that wig? I don't remember if I took that wig. I normally take all the wigs. Well, for someone who works in a wig department or worked in a wig department, you should collect them. <laughs> I do. I have... I have quite the collection. That's so funny. I don't know if you'll be able to answer this because you are filming right now, but is there a costume that you are looking forward to or something that you're excited for? Oh, this season's good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do you normally come up with the ideas or is it a team effort? Um, it's collaborative. Okay. So the, you know, the first season, my first season, you know, the producers kind of had them decided. And then the second, second season unsolicited, I sent an email that was like, Hey, just some thoughts <laughs> and kind of picked and choose. And now the, the past few seasons we've had themes, which are fun. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times the producers now kind of have these ideas for the episodes too, which are fun, but also everything is kind of done on the fly too like it's very sometimes it feels like community theater like Mm -hmm. we are just like throwing it together Mm -hmm. um and that's actually really fun because like our wardrobe supervisor like we're doing fittings the day before and it's like oh wait what if we what if we did this what if we did that and same thing like our hair and makeup team is insane and it's like a lot of times we just sit in the chair and they're like so i'm thinking this and we're like and what about that? Mm-hmm. And so it, it it's also like very much created in real time too, which is part of the fun. Uh-huh. I know. I always see Carla's behind the scene videos too when you guys are filming. They look so fun. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Oh my gosh. Well, you put so much effort in and you spent so many hours doing it. So they have to be good. Yes, exactly. All right, so I have, I don't want to hold you too long because I have a short game for you if you're into it. It's like a kind of a little lightning round. Cool. Um, So I'm going to name five popular baking trends right now, and then you'll tell me if you are going to smash or pass it. (laughs) Okay. Okay, cool. You could say four or against two. I always give everyone that option. (laughs) I like smash and pass. All right, cool. First one, street food inspired desserts. So I saw actually the other day an empanadas stuff with apples and cinnamon kind of thing, which I thought was interesting. So what's your take? Smash. I'm into it. Okay. I'm into it too. Viral crunchy croissant. Did you see that? The like caramelized one? Yeah. With the, the pan thing? Oh, smash. Absolutely. Like, bring it on. Buttery, caramely, crunchy. Yes. I haven't tried that yet, but it looks easy enough. So I should I should definitely do yeah. that. Okay. Number three, upside down puff pastries. That was a TikTok thing, too, for a while. Upside down puff pastries. Yeah. So they place the fruit basically on the bottom of the pan first, and then they put the pastry. Oh. And then. Yeah. I've seen that. I. Yeah. I think that's smart. I think anything that saves time and and has a great result, I'll smash that. Okay. (laughs) And then number four, because you're in New York, I asked um, another New Yorker this recently, but the Lafayette Bakery croissants, what do you you think on those? Have you seen those? I haven't tried them. I think they look amazing. Yeah. Um, And I think that like laminated doughs are are such a specific skill Mm -hmm. that they look incredible. So kudos. Yeah, I should actually go get one. <laughs> you should go get one. I, it's on my list. And they're going to have probably revolving flavors soon with the holidays. So mm. and number five, you're going to you're going to like this one. The pie cake in. <laughs> <laughs> Smash. Uh, yeah. Season eight. Year eight is coming. And the original Thanksgiving one is going strong and I may or may not be working on a new holiday one. Why not change it up? I thought, did you do a Christmas one? Am I making that up? We did. We've done, we've done a, a Christmas one every year and okay. it's been the same for the past, I want to say 
three or four years. Okay. And I feel like this is a good year to change it up. So. Okay. People at home, could you explain what it is quickly? The Pycaken. So yes. Pycaken started uh, as the turducken of desserts. It started mm-hmm. as kind of a, a, a joke and now it is not. But, uh, you know, I said, why not take all of the Thanksgiving desserts and build them into one cake? So mm-hmm. pecan pie, pumpkin pie, spice cake, uh, layered with cinnamon buttercream, topped with apple pie filling. Um, so it's three pies and a cake built like a cake. So you get one bite of everything, basically kind of solved the Thanksgiving problem of not having enough space on the plate. And now, of course, we have them for pretty much every holiday. Ooh, you're working on another one. That's exciting. Yeah, Christmas, Christmas pie cake and version 3.0. Okay, I'm looking out for it. So I have my last and final question for you. If there is one baking utensil, product, appliance that you think everyone should splurge on, what would it be and why? A KitchenAid. That's I mean, it's one. the workhorse of the kitchen and it's not replaceable. I mean, you can, you can do everything by hand, of course, but mm-hmm. from making doughs to whisking, there's also a million attachments too, if you mm-hmm. want to use it as a Cuisinart or you know, the pasta roller is great too, but mm-hmm. I think uh, a solid six quart KitchenAid to the drop bowl version, okay. not the tilt head. I mean, I have, I have six KitchenAids, so I have <laughs> one in every size actually, but um, I, I, I just like the slightly larger size um, just because you can make more stuff. You have them in all different colors. I do. Yes. That's, there's, Four of them are actually out in my kitchen right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's a little display. Do you have like five cookies just baking at one time during the holidays and it's just an insane kitchen? My freezer is normally full of cookie dough, actually. Oh, overnight cookies. Those are the best kind. Just like, just like hanging out. That way friends come over and they're like, because I don't really have food in my house. <laughs> I was going to ask, do you cook, really? (laughs) I do. I do. I cook for other people. I don't cook for myself. But, you know, I have, I entertain a lot, so. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't know if that was a thing with pastry chefs, if they don't really cook or bake for themselves, but it's more for (laughs) kind of everyone else. Yes. Okay, that yeah. that makes sense. So you can follow Zach Young at Zach Young on Instagram to keep up with his latest recipes and projects. Hey, fellow foodies. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave me a review. And while you're at it, make sure to follow me at Living for Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livingforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. Until next time, 